I'm a local loan officer in West Palm Beach, Florida. I've been in the mortgage industry for the last eight years. I've worked in the industry throughout the country. I've closed over a thousand loans during my career, so I've seen it all. I'm on a mission to make mortgages both entertaining and educational. Welcome to Lending with Leah. This is the podcast for anyone who is thinking about potentially owning in the process of buying or even owns their own home. My name is Leah Bunning. I'm a licensed loan officer and I'm going to be your host. <sighs> so before I get started, I actually just got back from traveling a couple days ago. I was in Arizona for a little over a week and a half. And let me just say jet lag is a real thing. So I am happy to be back, happy to be back on Eastern Standard Time, doing my thing uh, and getting enough sleep. <laughs> And our last episode that I had, I spent a lot of time talking about fear. Um, you know, fear just in general, but also fear within the with the housing market uh, and a lot of common fears that people have. Well, today we're going to get the nicer side to this. So that is how do we overcome our fears? How do we overcome our fears of wanting to buy a home? You know, so... One of the things that I want to discuss with you guys first is that, so I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you guys, and I'm actually going to share probably one of my top two personal scariest situations that I've been in in my life and how I overcame that. And then after that, I'm going to give you guys five different tips specifically to buying a home, and how to overcome some of those fears that you might have. So I think probably mentioned it a little bit in one of my previous episodes, but I was married before, no longer am, but was in the past. Um, just so you guys get a little bit of a background on it. So I met my ex-husband probably about a, say a week after I graduated high school. So to really kind of put this in perspective, pretty much the whole beginning of my adult life, I was in a committed relationship with someone. And so this relationship lasted over the course of about five and a half years total. So about a year-ish of actual marriage, but five and a half over the course. And I had met him, I was living in Arizona, that's where I was born and raised. And, you know, I had noticed kind of a few red flags, I guess you could say, in the beginning, but not really having the whereabouts of myself or the knowledge yet at that time, at that age, to really grasp and understand it. I just kind of ignored it. And as our relationship continued and progressed, those red flags started to become worse. And they started to become a little more, mm, not just red flags, but abusive. Uh, not in terms of physical yet, but definitely kind of some emotional, mental abuse. There was a lot of poor words <laughs> used. Um, 
you know, I got called a lot of names. I was told I was stupid, that I was fat, that I was ugly, that, you know, how could anyone ever love someone like me? Just really, really awful things. And so it, it got progressively worse. And after a few years, we ended up getting engaged, ended up getting married. And, you know, I had had this dream of wanting to leave and move and live someplace else. And I've shared a little bit of that, of that with you guys too, just how I got into the mortgage industry. And I put a lot of weight on still wanting to do that. Even though I was in this really horrible relationship, I still wanted that dream. I wanted to live someplace different. So I begged and begged and begged and begged, um, you know, for him to move with me somewhere. Uh, he finally agreed and we ended up moving to North Carolina. And I've talked about this a little bit before too. Um, you know, I've been in the mortgage industry for a few years now. I want to say about two and a half, three years or so working as a processor and having been in the industry, you know, not only did I have this dream of going and moving away and living someplace totally different, but I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to buy a house so badly. So up until the move, I spent so much time and I don't recommend doing this, but I did spend a lot of time on Zillow and Realtor.com just looking at these houses in North Carolina and now, I did make the choice. I did speak to a realtor, and I did speak with a loan officer. So just anyone out there listening, I am not endorsing just getting on Zillow and looking at homes. I do suggest speaking with a loan officer so you actually know how much you're pre-approved for, and then working with a realtor who can actually um, you know, get you more real-world information and updated times on the homes that you're looking at. But backtracking a little bit. So wanted this home and I had my pre-approval and I had my, my realtor picked out and went to North Carolina. So at this time too, I was not living there yet. I just went there. I had some job interviews lined up and I also had some home searches lined up with my agent got three different job offers while I was there and then went shopping for homes and found the cutest, you know, nothing crazy or, um, you know, extra beautiful, but just a cute little starter home. And I was like, this is it. This is the house that I want. So put an offer in on the home. And mind you, even though I was married, uh, I did purchase the home on my own. So when that piece was a little bit scary as well. Uh, just that even though I was with someone, I was kind of taking on the full responsibility of this big expense on my own. You know, if we couldn't pay it, it didn't fall on him. It fell on me. So that was a little scary, but you know, I was, it, it was my dream. I wanted it. I was so excited. So did it and went back to Arizona pack what we would fit in our car, drove across the country, started a new job, bought a house, and just started a whole new life. Well, 
while there and especially being so secluded and isolated from people, you know, so at this time, I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any family near me. I literally knew no one in North Carolina at all. So it that abusive relationship got progressively worse and it worsened a lot faster. And I think a lot of that had to do with just the isolation, you know, that I was experiencing. And it went from just a mental and emotional abuse to a physical and very fearful abusive situation. So kind of what led to this aha moment of there's something very, very seriously wrong here was that my uh, my ex-husband had started cheating on me uh, with a 17-year-old in high school. And that was kind of the catalyst that made me really go, wait, wait, there's something really awful here. There's something really, and it goes beyond just infidelity, um, you know, and loss of trust. Like there was something a lot more sinister there and sought out the help at, at this time was with a marriage and family therapist and met with him for about a month as a couple. And I remember him giving me, uh, I think probably our first, maybe second session. And he had given me and my ex-husband this form. It was called the power and control wheel, which is essentially a, uh, a wheel or different categories of abuse and the different ways that people use abuse outside of just what we might think of as just the physical sense, but whether it's abusing someone through financial means, uh, manipulation, emotional, psychological, uh, all of these things. And I began starting to kind of fight back on some things. And the fighting back increased and escalated the situation even further. Um, I got death threats all the time. Um, not just death threats, but also threats of in very gruesome detail, which I will not share here, but gruesome detail on how my ex-husband wanted to torture me and kill me. So really just living in this massive uh, state of fear. And the first time that I tried to actually leave or the first time that I asked for a divorce, it had been a whole long day um, battle and a fight. I mean, I was, I was working, I was working in the mortgage industry again as a processor um, at a corporate office up in the North Carolina, Charlotte area. And, oh, we, I mean, the fight just all day, the name calling, 
and the escalation and the threats and the threats progressively got worse and worse and worse as the day went on, got home and, uh, you know, was still holding very firm to, I want a divorce. I don't want, I can't live like this anymore. And the fight progressed and escalated to the point where he started slamming doors. He started throwing things. He left the room. I followed him into another room. And when I followed him into another room, uh, he was holding a gun. And I, I think that that moment and that fear of, okay, hold on a second. Like, this is just, this is my, my whole life is at risk now. And this just became very, very real and very scary and I need to take a step back and after that instance spent probably the next it's probably about a month and a half maybe two months before I was actually able to get up the courage to leave and for anyone who has left an abusive relationship or is in an abusive relationship or even if it's not abusive, but you're just you're you're in a relationship and you've been in a relationship for a long period of time that maybe it's not abusive, but maybe it's just not a good fit for you. It's scary. Thinking of leaving is scary. I mean, again, to kind of put this in perspective, was that my entire adult life up to this point, I have never been alone, right? I've always been in this committed relationship with this person and at this point you know we share bills and we split expenses and I don't know anything different and you know what and I don't have family around me at this point I think I had one maybe two friends in North Carolina but still I'm like that that fear of if I leave am I gonna find someone else that fear of, oh my gosh, if he leaves, like, I own a home. I own a home. What if he leaves and I lose that income? Like, am I going to lose my house? Am I going to destroy my credit? You know, so all these things on top of the fear of, am I going to lose my very life? Um, and those fears did not go away. You know, and I kind of, I'll loop back to that as well is that, you know, overcoming fear doesn't necessarily mean that you're fearless or without fear, but just having the courage and the bravery to, in spite of the fear, choose to move forward. So over this next month and a half, two months or so, you know, I, I met with my therapist or at the time our therapist I had reached out to him from my work phone uh, because my ex-husband was tracking everything on my personal phone my personal computer my email so it to me it felt the only way to be safe in this so I called my therapist while I was at work on my work phone and said I don't know how, but I, I need to get in and I need to see you alone without my ex-husband. And I had the most incredible therapist who helped me kind of 
come up with a plan and it, almost essentially like like a lie that I could give to my ex-husband um, that would make this make sense without putting him on alert. And I went to see my therapist and I just, everything, I let it all out that this is what was going on about the gun, about the abuse, which he also, you know, really had a sense and knew that this was going on as well, but needed me to kind of come to my own realization of it. And when I came to this realization and I told him and I'm sitting there and I'm beyond terrified and he looks at me and he's like, I can't see you guys together anymore because at this point, ethically, I cannot be a part of him continuing to hurt you. And that was absolutely terrifying to me because I'm like, what do I do? You know, now I'm on a time clock. How how am I going to explain this and all these fears and these emotions running through my mind? And he looks at me and he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want out. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I can afford everything on my own. I don't know if I'm going to find someone else, but I just want out. And he helped me come up with a escape plan to come out or to get out of the relationship. And I also want to just note to anyone who is in an abusive relationship who is trying to get out, it is the most deadly and dangerous time in the relationship. So make sure to get professional help, um, you know, if you are in that stage of trying to leave. And had a game plan, had everything set up, ready to go. I knew the day I was going to do it. My dad was going to come up from Florida to North Carolina to help me get out. And I did it three days early on 4th of July, 2017, um, before I was supposed to, because I just, I couldn't take it anymore. And I was so ready because I said, in you know, in spite of all of these fears that I'm feeling, is that it can't be worse than this. And by the grace of God, after that day, he didn't lay a hand on me. He left. He willingly left. And I had never seen him again, ever, since that day. And all those fears, and life was so beautiful after uh, being on my own was amazing. So uh, I still say today I will gladly and happily be by myself for the rest of my life than ever be in a relationship with the wrong person again. Um, you know, I was really able to find that that happiness within and by myself. And then in specifics to the home, so... What a blessing in disguise that, I, you know, I did purchase the home just in my name. And the funds I used to purchase were my funds that I saved. They weren't joint funds. Uh, we weren't jointly on the title. We weren't jointly on the mortgage. It made that process in the divorce so much simpler and easier. And also for my protection, because since he willingly left the home, you know, that gave me legal grounds to actually change the locks and everything on the home 
put some added security in for my own physical safety. But even though it was tight and going down to one income, somehow I still made it. I was never late on a mortgage payment, never missed paying my, my utilities, never missed paying my car. And that home, so after the split, I was in North Carolina for a couple more months. And you guys have heard the story too. I think the first episode, I got a job offer to move from North Carolina to Florida. And my dad was in Florida. And again, it was that another fear situation where I was like, oh my gosh, I own a home up here. What am I going to, what am I going to do? Um, you know, can I, can I afford another home? Can I afford rent and pay the mortgage here? So again, another like set of just fear, but even though I was feeling all that fear and that anxiousness, I called up my agent who had sold me the home and I told her the situation and she goes, well, why don't you rent it? So she became my property manager for me and I became a landlord at 23, moved to Florida. And again, guess what? Still paid all my bills. Like didn't miss anything. I was able to pay rent. I had a renter in my home. It covered the mortgage for me, plus a little extra. So not a lot, but about, you know, 100, 200 extra dollars a month. Um, and I kept the home until actually this year. And I sold it when I was 27. And that little home that I took the leap on that I bought for, I think, 157 when I was living in an abusive, terrifying marriage, not knowing what to do, I was able to sell that home this year um, for close to $200,000. And just what in uh, an amazing experience of taking something so terrifying and awful it, it, with fear in all different areas and being able to turn that into an investment for me to have landlord experience, not just home ownership experience, but to be a landlord at such a young age and then to sell it and have those funds to now be able to invest in other areas of my life is such a blessing. And it, it never would have happened had I not looked the fear and the anxiety and the anxiousness in the in the eyes and said, you know, in spite of all this fear, in spite of not knowing, I'm going to do it anyway. And I just can't imagine what life would have been like had I chose to stay or chose to get rid of my home or chose not to buy um, because of the fear if I had let the fear control my life rather than just using it as a tool of, oh, I see you, but we're going to, we're going to move past you. You can be there and I acknowledge you, but we're going to keep going. And so that is, you know, me just being a little bit vulnerable with you guys, letting you know that just because I'm a loan officer, just because I've been doing this for a long time, does not mean that 
I don't have or haven't had my own experiences with fear and really dealing with that heart-wrenching emotion and really learning and having to kind of dig within myself to get out of that. And so I want to share with you guys five different tips specifically for how to overcome fear within the home buying market and the home buying process. Because like I talked about last episode, there's a lot of fear around buying a home, whether that's financial or perhaps, you know, you're in a situation like me where there's some really personal, hard things going on in your life kind of surrounding this process of buying a home or you were with a significant other and now you're splitting and you're getting divorced and you have to do it all on your own. There's so many different fears around it. And, you know, just kind of like I had, I had touched on a little bit ago is that, you know, we're not looking to be fearless. That is not going to be, nor will it ever be. One of my tips for overcoming fear is to be fearless because that's just silly. Me telling you, oh, don't be afraid. Look, that's not going to, it's not going to do anything. You guys are going to have fear and that's okay. And let's acknowledge that. But, you know, without fear, we wouldn't have things like bravery and courage. If you didn't have fear, you could not be brave or courageous because both of those things require you to move past fear in spite of it, in spite of what it's doing to you, making that choice to move move forward. So tip one is going to be get clear on where you stand in the process, aka get yourself pre-approved. I know it's scary. I know having some stranger like me dig into your finances, ask you all these personal questions. Uh, I know it can be scary, and I know it can probably feel a little bit like you're being judged. Um, and I want to just say that that's okay. It's okay to have those feelings. But, you know, knowledge is power. And without a true pre-approval and without truly talking to a loan officer and knowing where you stand in the process, one, if you're even pre-approved, and then two, if you are, for how much, what type of loan, it's important. It's important to know where where you stand, you know, and I always like to tell people too, you know, me personally, I'm not ever gonna give you a no the worst you ever hear from me is a not yet, and this is how we get there. And really being able to get a detailed game plan on how you're going to get there and how you're going to make that dream of home ownership come true. Well, once you got the steps, you got something to follow. So even though it's scary, get yourself informed, get some knowledge, see where you stand, and then go from there. Tip two is going to be to get a realtor and a loan officer that will listen and walk through your concerns with you. Not all loan officers and not all realtors are in this business for the right reasons or in this business for you. 
there are some out there that are in this very much for themselves. They're in this to make money. They are strictly salespeople and they don't really care about you or your feelings. They're just going to push their agenda on you and they're not going to take the time to really listen to your, your concerns and your validations. So take the time picking your loan officer. Take the time picking your realtor. Pick one that you feel trustworthy with, that you feel respects you, that listens to you. Because at the end of the day, guys, like your fears are valid concerns and they deserve to be addressed and they deserve to be listened to. And we can work through those together. And sometimes your fears are very valid and it really may not be the best time to buy or the best time to do that refinance. And it's important that you have people in your corner that one will let you know that, um, you know, if something really is not maybe the best financial decision and that'll just be there to listen to you. Tip three is to acknowledge and allow yourself to feel and release these big emotions. I've been talking about it a lot, but fear, it's there. It's not going away. We don't want to like wish it away or snuff it away and be like, oh, I'm feeling fear. I'm going to ignore this. I'm not going to pay attention to this. I'm going to go over here in this corner. And we, we don't like it. It's a big emotion. So we're just, it doesn't work. So emotions are energy. Energy can't be created nor destroyed. And if you take that energy and you trap it in yourself and you trap it within your heart, it's going to come up one way or another. It might not come up in a way you would think, but it's going to come up in some other form of your life, whether that's high anxiety or maybe you yell at someone that you shouldn't have yelled at, you know, whatever it may be, it is going to manifest in your life in a different way. So it's important to take acknowledge and say, ooh, you know, I'm, I'm buying a home and I, I just put an offer in and I just put an escrow deposit on the line and woof, this is really scary. Like this is a big move and this, this feels like a big, uncomfortable emotion. And acknowledge it. Take that time and just go, oh, all right, I'm feeling you. Take notice in your body where you're feeling it. You know, for me, especially when I'm feeling fear or anxiety, there's two particular places in my body I tend to really carry that fear. Uh, one is in my stomach. I get those butterflies, and they are not necessarily like those pretty like love butterflies when you see your crush for the first time. You're like, oh, oh, no. These are like the scary, gut-wrenching butterflies. Like, like that. Like, ugh icky feeling butterflies, kind of nauseous. Uh, I lose my appetite. I don't like to eat. And the other one that I feel when I get really fearful and anxious is my heart. So not that it hurts or that it's a burning, but my heart just, it's like it tightens. It tightens and it's stiff and almost like a throbbing. And so those are my kind of two where I'm like, 
ooh, if I feel this going on in my body, like there's something, there's something going on. And when I have a moment, I take some time, I acknowledge it. And one little tip I will share with you guys too, and whether it works or not, it's something that has personally worked for me when I have been feeling these fearful emotions. So actually from my current therapist now, is that we've discovered that most emotions only actually last about 60 to 90 seconds, but rather it's all the attachments and everything and the thoughts and keeping those emotions locked inside that tends to perpetuate those emotions for much longer than that 60 to 90 seconds. And so she gave me this tip, and it's a yoga pose. I think it's called fire toes. So when I'm feeling these big, fearful emotions, you know, like when I was buying my last house here in Florida and even being in the industry, and I'm like, this is a little scary. I just, I sat down, I did my fire toes, yoga pose in the living room, and I set a timer on my phone for 90 seconds. And in that 90 seconds, I allow myself to feel it all, feel the fear, feel the anxiety, um, but Also, in the same time, give myself a little compassion where I'm also, I'm feeling it, but telling myself too, like, you know, it's normal. It's okay to be feeling this right now because this is a big, it's a big purchase and you're putting a lot of money into this and it's okay to just, to be feeling these things. And then once that timer goes off, I stop the timer And I get up and I go do anything else, anything else. And when that fear emotion, if it comes back up, I kind of just, I look at it and I tell it and I said, "Mm, look, no, I already gave you your 90 seconds today. You don't get more time than that. That is all you get. I acknowledged you. I felt you and I let you go. And now I'm going to move on with the rest of my life. And tip four is Ask your loan officer to actually run some home appreciation forecasts and also maybe some rent versus buy calculations. The reason I give this as a tip is because we are, especially here in America, at least my opinion, is that we are instant gratification. We want it now, now, now. We want to know what is the benefit to me right now. And sometimes we forget about the long-term benefit of something. And so kind of going back to my personal experience when I bought my home in North Carolina. And, you know, initially, my initial benefit is, oh, my, like, at least I'll, I'll have my house. You know, I can decorate it how I want. I can paint it how I want. And that that was it. That was kind of, I was like, Ooh, look at, look at the pretty benefits. And that was all I was seeing. And, but the long-term benefits, I bought that home for 157, 157,000 in 2016. And in 2022, I sold it for 315,000. It was what? I think about five and a half, six years. And my home increased. The appreciation went up 
pretty much double <laughs> in that time frame. So that was a long-term benefit and really not even that that long term that was a pretty substantial gain uh and return on my initial investment into the property just with home appreciation and guys i got tools that i can actually run some forecasted appreciation numbers for you obviously i don't have a crystal ball i cannot sit here and say that with 100 percent certainty your home is going to appreciate at this value over the next course of years but I do have tools where we can look at what has the historical appreciation been, what's the forecasted appreciation, you know, how much are you buying the home for. It takes into account things like that, and it'll give you a projected home appreciation forecast over usually it's like nine to ten years that I can do. So ask your loan officer to run that. Ask them to run a buy versus rent, but over the course of a longer period of time, you know. Once you guys have some of these numbers and you're looking not just at the initial or the short-term benefit or cost, but you can really look at the whole picture and you can see the long-term benefit and the long-term cost of this investment. Yeah, I always tell people numbers don't lie. And it can be really scary when you're like, oh my gosh, all these big numbers, all this money, I don't know what this is going to do for me. But if you got, you know, some solid projections and some solid numbers on the table where you can go, okay, you know what? It's going to cost me this much in a down payment and closing costs right now. And that's scary. But wow, look at, look at everything I can gain on this that I have the potential to gain on this in just the next five to 10 years. So having that, and I think that can help lessen some of that fear and anxiety when purchasing a home is just really being able to see the full picture because whether you're buying a home as an investment property or you're purchasing a home as your primary residence, it's still an investment. So, you know, treat it like, yes, it's your home, but treat it like an investment too and really get a good sense of everything this could or potentially do for you. And the final and tip five is when overcoming fear in the home buying market is to just dig deep. Is that we are so much stronger than we think we are. And fear doesn't run us. We run it. It's just an emotion. It's just there. It's just something that says, oh, hey, like we're feeling something like let's, let's acknowledge what's going on. Maybe it tells us, hey, we need to pause on this. But it doesn't control you. And all the what ifs and this and that, like just just dig deep and know that you got you and you're going to be okay. And that no matter what happens, because guys, let's face it, life is a whole bunch of what ifs. I would love to live till I'm 100 years old, but I could die today. It's a very real possibility. But am I going to live my life like that? No. You know, so think the same thing when buying a home is that even if you have all these fears, dig deep within yourself and say, yeah, there's a lot of what ifs. What if my spouse leaves me? What if I lose my job? What if I can't pay this? What if, what if, what if? I would challenge you to say, so what? What if? 
you know you, you're stronger than you think, and you're going to be okay no matter what. And that is going to close today's episode. So I would invite you all to give me a follow. I am on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, Lending with Leah. And of course, as always, if you do have a specific loan situation or scenario that you would like some more personal one-on-one with, you can always give me a call. My information's out there, and I would be happy to talk with you and talk through any situations that you guys might have. And stay beautiful, everyone.